Anything else before I speak? Do anybody have anything on your heart you wanted to uh, share as far as an answered prayer this morning? Oh, yeah, on Thanksgiving weekend, which is the 29th, we're not going to have um, Sunday school for the adult class either. It's a week off. We're just going to have the main service, okay, on the 29th. All right. Um, when I was 20 years old and I was in college at WSU, Washington State University, because I grew up in the West Coast, um, I remember, see, I left and went across the state from where my family grew up where I grew up. I went all the way across the state. I wanted to get away from my family. Anybody ever feel that way? <laughs> when you're, you're finally able to leave the house when you're 18 and go off to college and get away from your folks, away from the folks. And uh, I, had, I grew up in a good family in, in so many ways. Both my parents uh, were hardworking people. They provided for us. And, um, but when I went off to college, you know, I, that's, that's where I came to the Lord. It took a while. For me to come back to the Lord, and I was raised in church too. I my family went to church fairly frequently, and I heard the message and so on. But I never would give my life to Jesus. I've always just kind of believed in God and kind of did my own thing and parties and so on with high school class. So I go off to college, and and um, about three or four months in, I think I've shared before, I had a powerful encounter where I realized that if I didn't give my life to Jesus. I was going to go to hell, and I was going to pay for my sins. And so I cried out to the Lord, because I also realized at the same moment that He was offering me forgiveness. He was offering me salvation. So I, I got down on my bed that one night in November and surrendered to Jesus. In fact, I just had my spiritual birthday. And uh, I remember about six months later, I think I was 19 or 20, when... Um, I'd been to college about a year, or, well, little, been about three-quarters of the term. And all of a sudden, it struck me that my parents were pretty amazing people after all. And that I started to think about everything they had done for me, including the fact they were paying for my college, at least the first couple years. And it just, what is it that happens? Maybe it's a, a brain thing. With guys, I don't know. Maybe it's both women and men. But I just came to the realization that I was thankful to my parents. That my parents were a lot smarter than I thought they were. And they, that they were pretty, pretty awesome people. And that I just felt this wonderful sense of gratitude to my mom and dad. And, and if you're a parent of teenagers, be patient. It'll probably happen when they hit their 20s. So I don't know if there are any people in here in their 20s and go, yeah, I remember that happening to me. But it happened to me. Did it happen to you? Yeah. You know, I don't know what it is about teenagers. It's a lot easier to be critical of your mom and dad, of all the things they won't let you do and so on. And they're always trying to cramp your style or whatever it is. But when I hit 20, 19 and a half, 20, it's like I became a different person. And I just began to thank, my, thank God for my mom and dad. And so I want to talk a little bit about thankfulness this morning. And I'm going to actually start backwards. If you got on your near you, you should have a piece of paper. And if you see a blank one on a chair near you, you can grab another one. If you need more than one at your table. And, uh, 
But on the back of it, under application, I want to look at these questions before I start my message so you can be thinking about them. And the first one is, do I need God's mercy? Do I need God's mercy? And then answer the question, why? Okay? So I'm not going to give you the answers yet, but I want you to start thinking about these right now. Second one, what was or is my condition before God? I mean, what kind of shape was I in before I came to God? And if I haven't come to God yet, what kind of a shape? Where do I stand before God? The third thing is, how has Jesus helped me? What has He done for me? Fourth one is, is does my response to God include choosing to make Jesus the Lord or the Master of my life? Or am I just kind of like, thank you God, I'm going to keep doing my own thing. The fifth one is, how do I express my thankfulness to God? Do you express any thankfulness to God? Then the sixth one is, am I willing to embrace inconvenience to my life in order to worship and love and obey Jesus? And then, has my faith brought any healing to me? And then the last question is, how can I make this Thanksgiving holiday more about Thanksgiving? So, you got a pencil or a pen, or you need one. There's some in the basket here in the basket back by Rosie. I encourage you to write some notes down. So, I need some volunteers to help me um, act out this passage of Scripture. I actually need ten people. And so... Um, I want everybody under 20 to come up that's, and see how, how, pardon? Yeah. I need, you don't have to say, you, okay, let me, you don't have to say a word. All you got to do is come up and act out a part for me, okay? So I need 10 people. Let's have our teenagers come up because you guys are easy to pick on. And the fun part is, is you get to dress up like zombies, Okay, Isaiah, I want you to dress up Madison like a zombie. And Kelly, would you dress up uh, Alex like a zombie? And Tevin? Bravius? Okay, Tevin is Vanessa. Brooke, would you help them dress up like zombies, wrap them up a little bit? <laughs> What's a zombie look like? They've got to be able to walk, okay? So I need 10 total. We've got... Yeah, kind of like a mummy. And just not too much, just some, okay? Drayson, there you go. You guys doctor yourselves up. So I got one, two, three, four, five, six. Need four more people to be lepers, basically. So. You just need some. You don't need a whole lot of uh, dressing. So we need four more people. JJ, would you come up and help me? And Emily? Emily and JJ, come up. You don't have to say a word. And Jazz, come up and help me dress them up. Come on up, you guys. You just get to stand. You don't have to do anything except walk and stand. So put some of this on yourselves. Kind of wrap yourselves up a little bit. 
So we've got how many do we have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Francisco, you're going to have to help. Come on. You guys get to put some on Francisco. Okay, who else should we get? We need one more leper. Who do you, who do you want to vote in on the island? No, I don't want Jim's got bad knees. I don't want to worry about his knees. Okay, Terry, come on up. We can get Terry. Terry's a good sport. Would you help Terry? Okay, Brooks is gonna doctor you. No, I can't do that. Okay, you don't need tons of toilet paper. Okay, now, yeah, you got to put some on him. Okay, that's good enough for Francisco. Okay, everybody needs to go stand in front of the sound booth, all ten of you. Go stand in front of the sound booth. All right. Okay. Everybody Count how many how many lepers do we have now? Leper zombies, zombie lepers. Okay, I'm going to read the story. I'm going to read the story, and as I'm reading it, you listen, and at a certain point, you're going to have something to do, and then I need Francisco to be the one leper. Okay, the one leper, Francisco. Okay, so stay there for now. Okay. So we're in Luke chapter 17, and we're reading, Jesus was continuing on towards Jerusalem. Now, he's probably coming from Galilee, which is in the far north of Israel, about 100, 120 miles north of Israel, on the north end of Israel. And it says, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village, there ten men with leprosy stood at a distance. Brett, turn the camera around. Ten men with leprosy stood at a different distance. Okay, all you lepers wave your stubs. <laughs> okay, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. That was pretty bad. Do it again. All right, he looked at them and said, oh, i got to dress up like Jesus. I love my bathrobe. Sorry you got stuck with a bald Jesus. He looked at them and said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went... Start walking. As they went, they were cleansed or healed of their leprosy. Rip them off. Yeah. Love it. (laughs) 
Okay, now you guys are all going to the priest. So go out the door to the hallway for a moment. So they're all going to show themselves to the priest. Well, you go with them initially. And as they went, okay, they were cleansed of leprosy. And when one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus. Shouting, praise God. Is that good enough? No. Shouting, praise God. That didn't sound real. Oh, you got, you got a bad voice. That's right. Okay. Okay. And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet. <laughs> thanking, him, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Because he's a Samaritan. And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. All right, let's thank all our actors. Good job. Now, you guys did great. That wasn't so bad, was it? So, you guys like being zombie lepers? Isn't that kind of fun? <laughs> the toilet paper works, doesn't it? That's kind of fun. Okay, um, so let's, let's, a couple things I want to talk about before we get into the application of this, and I hope you're thinking about this whole idea of thankfulness. Um, what is leprosy anyway? Um, we've, we've all heard of lepers, right? And uh, some of us have watched movies like Anybody think of a movie that's got lepers in it? Ben-Hur. Yes. And there's a new version of Ben-Hur that came out a few years ago that's really, really good. I really love it. Masala drives his chariot and the whole thing. It's really cool. Um, another one's called um, um, Molokai, the story of Father Damien. Father Damien was actually a Catholic priest that went to the island of Molokai, which is a leper colony, to minister and share Jesus with the lepers who were very outcast and were dying, of course, and uh, he actually led many of them. They started a church, and, and uh, he actually contracted leprosy at, at, towards the end and died. But um, he, his life was a powerful wit witness and testimony of who the Lord was and his willingness to, to love and serve people who were outcasts from society. So leprosy is from a, a Greek word, lepra, which means scale, you know, like scales on your skin. And... Um, we nowadays call it Hansen's disease, named after a doctor, a Norwegian doctor named Hansen, who discovered that there was a particular bacteria that caused leprosy. And um, leprosy, actually, this bacteria causes damage to the nerves and to the skin and to the eyes. And um, it causes people to be, un to be numb and to be unable to feel pain in their extremities. That's why a lot of lepers are missing fingers and ears and parts of their nose, and they're defaced because they don't have the ability to feel when there's pain or they get burned or something. And over time, a lot of lepers are really beat up physically. 
It's a long-term illness that doesn't result in death for many, many years. And um, in the United States, actually, there are still about 200 cases a year in our country. Can you believe that? This is kind of a disease that we think was only in Bible times. No, there were, um, in 2018, there were 209,000 global cases. And actually, five years before that, there were, a mil- there were cases in the millions still, primarily in India and some other nations that don't have this quality of health care and access to uh, treatment. Because leprosy now can be treated with two or three different drugs to stop it. And so, in the movie Molokai, it actually talks about the guy, the doctor that figured it out and uh, how that actually changed everything for those who had been in leper colonies. So in Leviticus um, 13, it talks about, 13 and 14, talks about leprosy in the Bible. It talks about what leprosy is like and what you do with people that have leprosy. And um, let me read just one, a couple of verses. Um, now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothing shall be torn. That's kind of like what the toilet paper stood for. And his head bare... He shall cover his mustache, Jaslyn, and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean. All the days he has the sore, or sores, he shall be unclean. He is unclean. Can you say unclean? And he shall dwell alone. Think about this. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So if you have somehow contracted leprosy, are you able to have a social life? Only with other lepers. Are you able to go to church? Are you able to go to the grocery store? Whenever anybody gets close to you, what do you have to yell? Unclean! Unclean! Yeah, it kind of sounds like COVID, doesn't it? It's a nasty, horrible disease that affects every part of your life. And these ten people, when Jesus comes to this village, they're, they're in a distance because they have to be at a distance. And they're yelling, unclean. But they also say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, why did they, why did they cry out to Jesus? Jesus walks in the village with his disciples. They start crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Why did they, they say that? Yeah, so they had heard about Jesus, hadn't they? His reputation had preceded him. And he, they knew, but what did they believe about Jesus? He believed that he could heal. But what else does, does their, what they say tell us about him? They said, Jesus, Master. In the King James Version, it's Lord. You know what the word Lord or Master means? Who's the, the head honcho? El Jefe, right? The chief. He's in charge. They believe that Jesus wasn't just a human being. They believe that He really was the Son of God, that He had power to do miracles and to heal. And so they cried out to Him for mercy. What is mercy anyway? What's mercy? Pardon? 
Okay, forgiveness. There's an example of showing mercy, forgiving, right? Compassion in action. I like that. That's good. I've been told that mercy is when you give something to somebody they don't deserve. And grace is when you get something you didn't deserve. They're kind of like two sides of a coin. So, but I like your definitions. So mercy is to help show buddy, help somebody, show somebody help and grace. Okay? And um, this, this thing that one guy that came back says he was a Samaritan. A Samaritan, because I don't have time to, to talk about it a whole lot, but just in 2 Kings 17, it talks about where the Samaritans came from. They were imported people group. They were foreigners that the Assyrian Empire brought in and planted into Israel after they took a whole bunch of the Israelis and took them to Assyria. This is like the 6th century B.C., 7th century B.C. And so this people group was planted in the middle of what remaining Jews there were in Israel, and because they were not Israelis, they kind of stuck together, and the Jews stuck together, and the Jews became very, very prejudiced towards Samaritans because they called them half-breeds because they were mixed in, married in, intermarried with a lot of the local people. But the Jews always considered Samaritans to be second class. Okay, It's like we have in some of our, in, our America, in America in some ways, we treat some groups of people like second-class citizens. It's wrong, but it still happens. It's maybe getting better a little bit at a time. I hope so. And in the church, it should definitely not be something that we are living in and experiencing that, but we, we're still working on our growing up in the Lord, so that does happen sometimes. So the guy that came back, Jesus emphasizes, this guy isn't even a Jewish, he's a, he's a foreigner, he's a Samaritan, and he came back to show God honor by giving thanks for what Jesus did for him. Jesus basically is saying something about the Jewish people, his supposed Jewish people, the people of God. The other nine that left, did they have a thankful heart like that one guy that was a foreigner? No, they didn't. Notice that they had probably already walked who knows how far before they actually experienced their healing. It says that as they were going to the priest, you've got to remember they're still about, I'm guessing, this is the border of Samaria and um, Galilee, as we're told, it's about 50 miles east of Jerusalem. So they may have walked a couple miles. All of a sudden, they notice their sores are gone. And they're healed. They actually were obeying Jesus, and in the middle of their obedience, they got healed. Now, is there a principle there somewhere? That when we obey the Lord, we can experience healing? I hope so. And so the one guy is probably a mile or two, I don't know, I'm just guessing, from Jesus in the little village where they, Jesus prayed for them or whatever he did. Jesus just said, go show yourself to the priest. He didn't even say, you're healed. But when this guy realized he was healed, his heart was different. He was so excited about what happened to him that he chose to be inconvenienced and to take a detour of getting to the priest 
So he wanted to go back, all the way back, and throw himself down and worship Jesus and give thanks to Jesus before he went back and went to the priest. He left his group of people to do that. He went by himself to do that, so he experienced being alone. And he didn't even know for sure Jesus was probably still in the village, but he was. And so he came back and showed Jesus honor. And Jesus actually says he gave God glory when he did that. You know, I've noticed that when it comes to thankfulness, there's like four components. There is somebody in need, right? Somebody in need. In this case, it was lepers or people who had the disease of leprosy. Okay? Then it takes someone who can help. In this case, it was Jesus, right? And then it takes an action. The person who can help actually does something to help the person who is in need. And then what's the fourth thing? The response of the person that got help. Or none. Right? The nine, they never responded to Jesus. But the one did. So, Jesus says, where are the other nine? But I love this last thing Jesus says to this guy who, who did come back and give thanks to Jesus. Jesus says something that's really unexpected. He says, your faith has healed you. Now, why is that kind of unexpected? Anybody? You guys are so quiet. Yes, Rosie. Maybe, yeah. This guy that Jesus tells, let me just read it. Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go, your faith has healed you. Didn't this guy already get healed? This guy was healed like a couple hours before when he was walking on the way to, the, to Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, everything disappeared that he was battling, right? So he comes back to Jesus to give him honor and praise and thanksgiving. And Jesus says, stand up, your faith has healed you. Whoa. I don't know about you. That makes me ask some questions. Uh, what else needed healing? Yeah. Maybe there was a deeper healing besides leprosy that this man needed to experience. Maybe it was the healing of being separated from God. Maybe it was some other area of healing in his life. But Jesus said, your faith is resulted in your healing. What, 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 did, what, did his, what did his faith look like? How do we know he had faith? Yeah, he came back. That faith was the faith that Jesus was the Son of God and was worthy of my worship, my praise, and my thanksgiving. 
You know, there's a lot of people, I believe, that experience God and experience even the healing of God. And then they go on like the other nine and just live their life and they never come back and begin a, a life of worshiping and walking with Jesus like this guy did. You know, there's a lot of religious people in our nation, aren't there? But how many of those people would be like this guy who would inconvenience themselves, who would endure sacrifice to be able to come and give their love and their appreciation to Jesus? How about you? Is Jesus just somebody that's done some wonderful things for you and now you can go and do your thing, live your life? Or is Jesus worthy of you giving your life completely to Him? Brooks reading or watching a video series called um, Not a Fan, Not a Fan. Like I'm not in your fan club, that kind of a thing. And it's all about asking this question, are you a fan of Jesus? In other words, yeah, I love Jesus. He's awesome. He said some really cool stuff. Really admire Him. But, you know, that's Jesus. I'm doing my own thing. Or are you a follower, or what we call a disciple in the Bible, a follower of Jesus where Jesus is now my boss. I have made Him my Lord. He is everything. And what He says goes. What He asks, I do. Because He is God. He is my God. He is my boss. He's my chief. Do you guys see the difference between being a fan or being a follower of Jesus? And another day, I'm going to preach more on this subject because Jesus does not want fans. He does not want fans. In fact, <laughs> I could talk about this for a long time. I just want to tell you, if you're a fan and you're not a follower of Jesus, you've got, you got a decision to make because it's going to affect your eternity. It's going to affect everything. And God... Jesus calls us to be followers, fully devoted. He calls us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, which is what this guy did in turning around and coming back. He, he made a decision that cost him something. Take up your cross and follow me. The church in the United States is a real mix. It's a real mix. A lot of people that Jesus has touched and healed and then they've gone and done their own thing like the other nine. And a few, a small percentage of people who have chosen to follow Jesus no matter what it costs them, like Francisco did coming back, being that 10th tenth, tenth leper. You know, a big part of it is understanding what our condition is and what Jesus has forgiven us for. That's one of the reasons why after 40 for, I don't know, 45 years, I am still following Jesus and I'm pastoring when pastoring is probably the most difficult thing I have ever done. It's because it was imprinted and burned into me when I gave my life to Jesus that I was going to hell, that I was a sinner, that I was unclean, that I was full of horrible things. And that I deserve to be judged. 
and that when Jesus called me to himself, that he poured his blood over me and cleansed me and gave me a brand new life. So I can't go back and do my own thing because he has bought me, he has purchased me. And every single one of us that have come to him to be forgiven, you've got to understand why you've been, you've been forgiven, why you needed forgiveness. You don't understand what, how wicked and evil you really were you're never going to appreciate salvation. It's like if you take a beautiful diamond, you go down to the jewelry store and you get a beautiful diamond, they don't put it on a piece of bright, shiny chrome cloth, do they? What do they put that diamond on? What color cloth? Black. Why? Yeah, Because you can see that diamond against the black. You're not going to appreciate the salvation of God until you can see the black in you, in me. That's why I've given my life to Jesus. It's why if this church goes under, I go with it to some degree. I've tied my faith to what Jesus is doing in His church. I've given up my hopes all my hopes and dreams, all my retirement, everything is like, okay, God, it's open hand. It's in your hands. Not that I'm trying, not, I'm, I'm trying to save a little bit. Got some rental properties I'm trying to keep up with. But it's all, it's all up in the air, right? Of course, for all of us now, we don't know what's going to happen in the next four years. A lot of us could stand to lose. But if your life is hidden in Christ, it's not your problem. It's His problem. And I'm not going to take my life back. I'm going to trust Him with my future. I'm going to trust that He loves me and cares enough for me because He's already forgiven me when I was a wicked enemy of His. He forgave me and gave me a brand new life. I'm going to throw my eggs in His basket. I'm going to stick with Him and follow Him no matter what it costs me. It's easy to say. I hope I can survive and stand up if I have to suffer greatly. I don't know. But you this morning, you have to make the same choice. You're faced with the same thing that I'm faced with. Is Jesus really God? Is Jesus' blood available for me? Has it forgiven my sins? Am I really a wicked sinner that needs God's forgiveness? Jesus called me to surrender my life to Him and follow Him? Or do I have the option of just kind of doing whatever I want to do? Living the great American dream. I'm going to spoil it for you and tell you I'm sorry. If you go and live your own life, Jesus talks about this a lot, then you will stand before God someday and Jesus will not be there to support you. If you've chosen to live your own life in rebellion to God, you will stand before God and all you'll have is bringing with you your track record. And God will say to you, as He did in Matthew 7, 21, depart from me, you worker, you, you who commit lawlessness, which means you did your own thing. I never knew you. I never knew you. 
And I hope nobody in this room ever has to go that direct, has to face that. That's the worst. It's worse to be religious and think that you're going to get there because you were a good person, generally a good person. It's worse for you than for an abject sinner who'd never made any excuses for his sin to have to stand before God. At least he was honest with himself. Jesus said, I wish you were either cold or hot. Because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Now, I didn't say that. Jesus did. Each one of us has to make that decision. So I want to close in prayer. I want to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask, give you an opportunity to make a choice that's different from the choices maybe you've made so far. Lord God, I lift up these people in this room. I know many of them love you with an incredible love. But there's some I don't know, God. I really don't know. You do. You know exactly where their heart is. Lord, there are some here that have been religious on the outside, but they've been basically just doing what they wanted to do, calling the shots, living their own life, planning their own future. And Lord, now they have, a, they have heard the gospel message that says that if we confess our sins and repent or turn away from our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us or wash us from all of our sins and bring us into a relationship with you. But it's a relationship where you call us to follow you, to walk with you, to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you. Lord, I just pray that if there are any right now in this room that cannot say, Pastor, I've given Jesus my whole life. If you can't say that, this is for you. This is for you. You're going to have to make this decision, and you don't know how much longer you have the chance to do it. Holy Spirit, I pray for you to come and bring conviction. Bring conviction, Lord. I remember asking you to bring conviction because my heart was so hard, I did not even feel guilty. I was a sinner, and I had enjoyed it, and I just wanted to keep doing it. And yet I knew I was going to go to hell if I kept on that track. Lord, I pray there's people here that would just say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, come and bring conviction to me. Come and give me a sensitive heart to you. If that's you this morning and you, and you want Jesus, you want to give Jesus your heart and your life and not just be a little bit religious here and there when it suits you and it looks good and go to church once in a while. If you really want a relationship where God is your Father, Jesus is your Lord, and the Holy Spirit works in and through your life, I just want to ask you now to raise your hand up before God, not before me, but before God. Raise your hand up and say, God, I don't want any more games. I want to walk with you. I want to be your child. I want to be your son. I want to follow you. Lord, I thank you. You see 
You see the hearts. You see the hands. Lord, I pray now that you would help my brothers and my sisters here to actually walk with you, to begin their day every day by saying, God, I'm, you are God and I'm not. Help me walk with you today, Lord, and then talk to you, Lord, throughout my day. Why don't we just say that prayer? Would you, would you just repeat after me? We're getting up in the morning, and, and so you put your feet on the floor, and you, you look up and you say, Lord Jesus, you are God. I am not. You died for me. You purchased me with your blood. I do not own myself. It is a lie for me to believe that I am in control of my destiny. Either you are my Lord or the devil is playing with me. And I do not want the devil to play with me anymore. So I choose to give you my life. Lord, come and be my strength. Help me to walk with you. Help me to be willing to experience pain, sacrifice, inconvenience, and persecution for following you. I ask these things in Jesus' name.